I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author Dr. Michelle Kembalis, and her new book is When Women Rise. The Gabby Petito story is heightening anxiety for women, from mothers who are thinking of their own daughters to women who are playing the dating field. It's one more example of how stress is a feminist issue according to Dr. Michelle Kembalis, a mind-body health specialist and res- registered therapist. This, her step-by-step guide includes 25 QR codes to access guided meditations and exercises, well-proven to common your nervous systems, steady your mind, and heal your heart. It's like a therapist in your pocket. These evidence-based practices are an all-encompassing guide deeply rooted in neuroscience, psychology, and integrative medicine. Uh, She's been featured on Goop, Good Morning America, HuffPost, Sirius Satellite Radio, and uh, many more podcasts. Welcome to the show. Michelle, nice to have you on this morning. Well, thank you for having me on, Catherine. It's It's nice to join you. Yeah, it's great. Now, I think this is the key, or for me, it's one of the keys. Here's an example. You say how stress is a feminist issue. Yes. Yes, it is. I had never thought of stress, you know, as a feminist issue necessarily. So talk to us about that. What does that mean? It's our problem, stress. Well, I mean, (laughs) well, women are one and a half times more likely to have significant anxiety, and we have to ask why. And um, But when you look at the history of women and all of the conditions that we faced for generations, um, it makes perfect sense that we would be experiencing high levels of anxiety. I mean, women and girls in every country on our planet face discrimination and violence and financial and work inequity and extraordinary challenges due to gender inequality. And so, um, you know, I think it was important to reframe the impact of stress and and lift the umbrella of awareness so that we're looking at it from a much broader cultural perspective. And um, so many women uh, blame themselves for the struggles that they're facing. They feel a great deal of shame around the anxiety that they feel, the, you know, sleeplessness and ruminating mind and headaches and stomachs and all the symptoms that go hand in hand with anxiety. And when I'm working with women, I often, well, actually always place it within this broader cultural context so that they understand, gosh, you know, this really isn't my fault. This is the effect of a much bigger download from our cultural system. Why do we accept it as as our fault, I wonder. Um, and you've spoken to many, many, many women. Uh, where does that come from? I mean, I, I get it. The culture, you're, you're saying we live in a context, obviously, the, our culture, and the culture is blaming us? Or do we automatically just blame ourselves because how we grew up or our parents or parent, whoever raised us, uh, blamed us for all the wrongdoing <laughs> In, in the world or in our family or uh, how, how, where did that blame and shame come from? That's such a, an important question and, and one that I ask myself a lot. And, you know, really 
we, we're all in the system of lack. We're all in this culture that tells us that we're not enough. And so you see it everywhere in, in the media and, um, you know, social media. And, and so we're, we're really living in this culture of comparing and competing and proving and striving with this sense that it's just never enough. So when things go, wrong or if we're, you know, struggling with a mental health crisis or high levels of stress and and anxiety, the mind naturally goes to what's wrong with me? What do I need to change? And uh, so we, we go quite quickly into the lack and the not enoughness. So, we go, as you say, we do it quickly. We sort of just go, we, I think you also say in your book that we have learned to navigate our lives in fear, which is kind of what you're describing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a pretty scary thought, uh, like right from the beginning, right? We have to take care of ourselves. I think you give examples, you know, if we walk at, at, at nighttime and we're going out in the dark at night and walking, we have to go with somebody uh, to uh, protect us, a friend, don't walk by yourself, uh, take care of yourself, uh, make sure that, you know, you don't, uh, we have all kinds of things that we should or should not do just so that we have to protect ourselves as women, right? Um, Yeah, women are taught from a very, very early age to be very self-protective. Walk, walk to your car with a girlfriend, make sure it's well lit, Um, hold on to your drink in a, in a pub or a restaurant. Um, And, uh, you know, and and often we blame ourselves when we're you know too nice and end up being sexually harassed by a boss or you know someone in our lives and so you know we're we're taught to be cautious and we face those those dangers every day and even though it might not be within our conscious awareness it's held within our psyche and held within within our subconscious and, and do you think that and we add to that and and add to that we inherit the effects through epigenetics so that we we know that we inherit the effects of generations that came before do you think michelle that we take on the responsibilities of other people's feelings or emotions as you say we blame ourselves because that's part of why we blame ourselves we take responsibility for all this stuff rather and and, and that's part of the issue or part of the problem yeah, I mean, I think you probably naturally go to that question because we know as women <laughs> that that we, you know, we have an, a great capacity for empathy. Um, and but then add to that, uh, culture reinforce reinforces our um, our tendency to give to the extent that we deny ourselves. So women are actively rewarded for being selfless and giving and giving and giving and giving to the point where our bodies are absolutely exhausted. And I hear women feeling quite guilty when they try and reclaim themselves and take some time for self to practice self-care, to take a moment to breathe, to, you know, fit in a walk. Um, There's a tremendous amount of guilt that women carry um, when they're honoring themselves. So, so how we do we get away? Impact. Well, I think in your books, I want to get to that. Uh, we sort of we set up the 
we've set up the scenario. This is the state that we're in. Now, what do we do about it? Um, I, how how can we just mitigate this? That's what you obviously talk about in the book, and there are very specific ways that we can do it, and that you do with your with your clients. Yeah. So we we've named the problem. We know we know the problem very well. <laughs> we know well. the problem. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, so. You know, it takes a lot of courage to say, I am going to make radical changes in my life and I'm going to, um, I'm going to bring this front end mind to my consciousness and, and look at places in the day where I can, I can care for myself. And, and sometimes it just takes a pause, a moment to, to return to the now, you know, we spend so much time ruminating about the past or in future-focused, fear-based thinking, but just to simply pause and check in. What am I feeling? What's happening in my thinking mind? And, and you know, you can just anchor for a moment in the breath, taking a, a low and slow breath. I mean, breathing is like medicine to our mind-body system. And then to simply ask that question, what do I need? What do I need in this moment? And so our life is built up on um, many micro moments of asking, what do I need? And then answering that need. Sometimes it's to get hydrated. Sometimes it's to move your body. At other times, it's to set a boundary or to make a pot of soup or connect with your, you know, with your partner. Sometimes it's to meditate for a little while. And so how we write that, how we develop our own self-care package is unique to us. How do we get to the self-care package when women say, many women say, not all, will say to you, uh, uh, Dr. Kimbolas, I, I don't have time for that. I really don't. I can't. Uh, the, from the minute I wake up in the morning, uh, my day starts at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I am not done till 10 o'clock at night. So when am I going to fit in time to be able to do all of these things that are good for me, my mind, my body? Can't do it. No time. And this is something that I hear so commonly, and so I put forward this question very gently and lovingly. <laughs> what are you ready to let go of in order to reclaim yourself? Let's look through your day, and let's, you know, let's, let's examine what are you choosing that maybe doesn't serve you that you can let go of, a, you know, just even a little. And we're so tightly wound that the thought of letting go can bring forward quite a bit of anxiety because we're so attached that our lives need to look a certain way. So um, we go through this process in a way that really acknowledge, acknowledges that fear. And so um, we, you know, we'll just look for a little window a little window for self-care or for, for self-acknowledgement. And, you know, with the practices in When Women Rise, they don't take long. So five minutes of breath work can be a, a game changer. Five minutes for a meditation. Um, sometimes when I work with women, they will do Zoom sessions and they're, they're in their car or they're in the bathroom, or they're sneaking away you know, <laughs> in order yeah. to make some space for themselves. So yeah. whatever it takes. 
Yeah. I mean, the bathroom was always a place I snuck away into. I, I can identify with that. But one thing that you said, I think that we feel the pressure to keep on going, to keep on producing, to keep on doing. I mean, I had this happen to me a couple of days ago. I didn't really do anything for the whole day. I just needed to take time. And one of my friends said, well, mm-hmm. what did you do today? And I, I felt that there was a moment like, I, I don't want to say I didn't do anything because that sounds, I had to say something that I did that was productive. And I, I felt that I needed to tell her at least one or two things. But you're, you're so right about that. I felt like, uh, you know, and, and I, I maybe I did at least mention one thing, but I really hadn't done anything. And it really did feel good, but I didn't want to share that with anybody. So this is a little bit or a piece of what you're talking about. And isn't that so interesting that we feel that we need to justify our being? So we're so mired in the doing that we forget that we're human beings. <laughs> and so this is the the externally driven masculine-based culture that, we, that we're all in. And yet when we return to stillness, we return to our true selves and that inner connection where our practices of self-care kind of just flow naturally. So, I mean, I hear you. It's, it's hard to let go of that paradigm. It's very difficult to let go of that. And I think that that's many, as, I, as you've said, and, and most of us are, are stuck in that and we do have to let go of it. How did you let go of it? What ha- I mean, I assume that you weren't born knowing all of this. Uh, <laughs> this was something that you came to realize or was there anything in your life that you had this aha experience wait I have to stop I have to you know take take a break and take a look yeah I think I just was I got to a point where I was so tired of walking around in the fog of unworthiness feeling as though I needed to somehow be more and add more and I realized through, you know, some really supportive practices and meditation was a foundational one for me, that there's nothing more to add. In fact, as we start to drop these layers of identities and, you know, really our roles and these expectations that we have for ourselves, um, that underneath it all, we're already enough. We were born enough. And so our, our only job is to really fully be ourselves. And so, I mean, it's still a work in progress. I'll, let me tell you, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's an ongoing process of um, practices in order to embody that state. And, um, and I don't always hit the mark, but um, it's certainly important enough for me to keep committing to. So if we read your book, then hopefully we don't have to get to the point where we're just sitting on the couch, I'm so exhausted, I can't go on. Be more aware before that happens and be able to realize or understand what are some of those signs of imbalance in terms of our life and our behavior and what we're doing. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, so often we reach for support or we, you know, put these... um, mind-body health practices or spiritual practices, whatever might be in place when we've, you know, hit the mat where where we're exhausted or we're struggling with our mental health. And so if you can do that preemptively and create a foundation that's so self-supporting that, um, that you, you don't 
um, you're less likely to move into those places of crisis and pain. Um, that's that's um, that's a beautiful solution. Yeah, I, I remember so, when I was uh, doing pri- when I was in uh, counseling uh, couples and couples therapy, and they were coming in uh, for the first time. It was usually after just so much turmoil and just so much they were, you know, the marriage was really ready to end, uh, you know, and that's sometimes ultimately what they were coming in for to, to get divorced because they had waited so long that it was sort of, you know, it was too long. All the, um, the hurt and the, you know, fighting and whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Because they, if they had come earlier, there might've been hope, but, it, it was too late. I'm not saying it's too late for us as women to be able to take care of ourselves, but it's really important to listen to your mind and your body and know where you're at and know when you're yes, out of balance. If, yeah. If only those couples had come in before the affair. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or before, affairs. Uh, I'll put an S on that. Before they were calling the, <laughs> the, um, the lawyers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And so, too, is it for us to, you know, listen now before um, we're overcome with, um, and I mean, life takes us there anyway. And I think when we're in struggle, those are the biggest openings for growth. So um, we can't fully prevent them. And when they do happen, if we can welcome them and know that, you know, this too belongs, the pain, the struggle, um, the sadness um, also belongs. And so um, those are openings for getting to know ourselves well and um, and developing new tools so that we can be buoyant in our lives. And I think also what you talk about is now we're talking about realizing what's getting in our way of being fulfilled uh, is uh, being able to recognize the supports Sometimes we overlook those yes. too. Yes. And so women deal with our stress with tend and befriend. So when we turn to one another, when we lean on one another, when we share, that's very soothing um, when we're dealing with chronic stress. And so, I mean, unfortunately, with the pandemic, it's been very hard for women to do that. And our anxiety levels have skyrocketed. You know, men, research shows, shows that, you know, men like to kind of go off into isolation. And and, um, and for them, that's soothing. But for women, we... Well, then really the quarantine need- was perfect if they want to, if isolation right. is the key. Thriving. <laughs> and that's not all all men um but no. but definitely there is um there's a body of research to suggest that that that's a trend for them, so it is critically important for us to come together and um and for us to practice with one another non judgment because of this culture of comparing, we can also be very hard on one another but, but when we come together where we you know where we check our judgment, where we check our comparison, and where we truly empathically connect, that uplifts all of us so that we can be in our highest gifts. And I think that's something that we can often struggle with. Yeah, and how do we do that? Like, you're talking, your girlfriend is talking to you, sharing things that perhaps you see is not good for her, or, uh, and you're listening, you want it, one wants to be judge, non-judgmental. But where's the line? 
what what uh, from being non-judgmental to not really telling the truth as you see it in order to be helpful. That's a great question. Um, the first the first thing that I do, and this just works for me, is I ask, when have I experienced something similar myself? When have I been confused? When have I been um, engaged in behaviors or patterns that are self-harming? Um, when have I been off track? So if I can look at the ways that we are unified rather than othering, um, that kind of sets me straight. <laughs> and then with my friend or, or a family member, I might say, um, would you like me to just listen or would you like feedback? So I ask permission before I launch in with my That's very helpful. Opinion. That's yeah, that's very straightforward and very helpful. That's good uh, good advice, <laughs> and I will use that. Um, we only have a couple minutes left. Um, obviously, there's lots more in the book. We want to make sure that people buy the book or listen to the book. So I don't much know to done, share. But, yeah. So when Women Rise is the title of Dr. Michelle Kambolis' book, Everyday Practices to Strengthen Your Mind, Body, and Soul. What website and or websites can we go to to continue the conversation? Yes. So for the book, you can um, find it at whenwomenrise.com or you can go to michellecambolis.com. But it's, it's available pretty much everywhere now. Um, Indigo Books and Amazon and and um, the indie bookstores that I, I love to support so much. So, um, yes, you can, you know, just go to your local bookstore and, and find it there. You'd mentioned that there are 25 QR codes so that you can access these practices anywhere, anytime where I guide you through. And um, I, I wanted to make sure that this work is accessible because not everyone can afford to go to a, a, a wellness retreat or go to therapy. And so these are practices that I've used for over 25 years with um, the, the women that I, that I work with. And um, so I am so happy to be able to share them with everyone. That's, thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Michelle Kimbolis. My pleasure. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 